You know, reading the Bible, we're reading through the Bible in a year. When you read the Old Testament, make sure you put on new covenant glasses when you read it. Does that make sense? Because if you just read the Old Testament like this is the way you should do certain things, like uh, I'm just thankful we don't have to have a sacrifice. I'm not into, uh, I hear about hunting and all of that, and I'm thankful I love to eat deer meat and elk meat and all of that, but if I was the one having to cut it up, I'd be starving. So uh, that's why it's, uh, if I ever come to visit you in a hospital, you know I love you a lot. But uh, anyway, I just, I believe that um, God wants us healed more than you want to be healed. And um, about two, two weeks ago from today, after church, I was home and I hurt my back. And uh, by Sunday night, um, I experienced the most pain I've ever experienced in my whole entire life. Matter of fact, Melody thought that it was a kidney stone. It was so painful. I dropped to my knees. I couldn't get up. And so Tuesday, she took me to the doctor because I couldn't walk. And um, they gave me a shot for pain and gave me some uh, pain medication that was high-powered. You don't want to give you six pills so you don't get addicted to it. So, um, But Tuesday night... Uh, I woke up about 12.30, and I, I was in pain. And so I, was, I just thought, I am not going to wake up my wife. 30 minutes later, I was waking up my wife. As <laughs> a matter of fact, uh, my two sons got woken up in the living room. I don't know if it was from my grimacing or what, but uh, we had a prayer meeting. They prayed for, I don't know, a half hour, hour for me. And... Um, you know, I know there's been times that I've had knee problems, pains, aches, or whatever, and I've spoken to it, and within minutes to sometimes a couple of hours, it's gone. And it just wasn't happening this time. And uh, somebody said, did you get discouraged? I thought, no, I was in too much pain to think anything. And, uh, but I noticed one thing that was happening for three or four days, and that was I... Wasn't I quit speaking anything positive or commanding my back to line up. You know, Mark eleven twenty three says that you need to speak to your mountain. Did you hear that? And a lot of times I caught myself, you know, just saying, Jesus, help me. Which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I'm not speaking to my mountain. And so uh, a week went by. Christmas Eve night was horrible. I, I spoke at the Christmas Eve service here. And um, when everybody left and there was just a handful of us in the foyer, I, I pushed the door open for Benny like that. He was coming back in carrying something. And, man, I did something to, to aggravate my back, and I collapsed again. So a couple of people helped me up. I couldn't even stand up. And... Uh, so it's been two weeks now, and you can see I'm doing really good now. I'm not faking it at all. I, do, I feel a thousand percent better. But the second week, I spoke to it every single day and kept speaking to it because the Lord says you can either agree with your pain or you can agree with me. If you agree with your pain, you will get nowhere. You'll have to depend upon natural ways 
to recover. Thank God our body's designed to recover. But this is what I want all of you all to know. So many times when you get prayed for or you believe something for your body and it doesn't happen, we stop right there with our faith. We go, okay, it just didn't work. I'm going to just take the medication or I'm just going to do this, which is fine. But I'm encouraging you not to give up. Not to give up. Keep speaking to that thing. Don't, I mean, I sit there and say, I'm resisting this pain today. I'm resisting this pain. As Melody was helping me off the floor, I'm resisting this pain today. I will not allow it to stay in my body. And I spoke to every vertebra. I didn't know if it was a pinched nerve. I didn't know if it was a kidney stone. I didn't know what it was, but I kept speaking to it. And so I'm encouraging you this year when you, something like that, I'm not trying to be death, doom, and gloom, but more than likely, all of us will go through something. And when you go through it, just do what the Bible says in Mark eleven twenty. 20. So many times we cry out to God, God, why aren't you helping me? God, what are you doing to me? And this is what he says, that he's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power Where's the power? In us. And we are trying to get God to pour out more power from on heaven. And he's saying, excuse me, the power is not in heaven for you to pull down. The power is inside of you to pull out. And you pull it out with your mouth. You pull it out with your mouth. You pull it out by faith and believing and speaking and you keep doing it. And then if you don't feel anything, you double the dosage. You double the dosage. So, man, I just don't think, man, something's, it's, I tell you what, you just double the dosage. This is the great thing about it. You can't OD on this. You can do it three times as much, four times as much. So, I'm encouraging you to do that. Everybody hear that? This is our scripture. I don't know if it's going to be for the year, but at least it's going to be for, for quite a few months. John 16, 33. This is the Amplified version. Uh, the Amplified, Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic. It's Amplify on the fly. John 16, 33. It's long. This is what it says. I've told you these things so that in me, in Jesus, in Christ... You may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation, you have trials, you have distress, you have frustrations, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I've overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. I believe no matter what trials, tribulation, frustrations that we go through this year, the scripture should just rise up within us. It needs to rise up within us. You struggle in your business, you struggle in your marriage, you struggle in your, your finances, your health, whatever you're going to struggle in, more than likely there's going to be something in that area that comes against you. And this is what God wants us to know. 
First of all, he's wanting us to know that you need to be undaunted. That is what I want to talk to you about today. Because God wants us this year to be undaunted. Because we're going to face things. And when you face it, that's not the time to roll over and accept it. It's not the time to, to throw up the white flag and say we are defeated. It's the time to pull up yourself by the bootstraps and say we're going to be undaunted. We are going to have courage. We're going to have confidence. Why? Not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. He says, I've overcome the world. For who? For you and me. I've overcome the world. And he says, I've actually deprived it of its power to harm you. And I've conquered it for you. So there are some synonyms for undaunted I looked up. It means unafraid, undismayed, unalarmed, unflinching, unshrinking, unabashed, unfaltering, unflagging, fearless, dauntless, intrepid, bold. Valiant, brave, stout-hearted, lion-hearted, courageous, heroic, gallant, um, meddlesome, gritty, steely, indomitable, resolute, determined, confident, audacious, daring, daredevil. That's pretty neat. The definition of it means not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. Not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. There's a man by the name of Booker T. Washington. He was born into slavery. He was poor, zero influence, zero money, zero connections. He established Tuskegee University. And by the time he died in 1915, we're talking the early 1900s. By the time he died in 1915, there was over 100 buildings on campus, and he had more students than any other college in the state of Alabama. And in 1915, he had $2 million worth of endowment to the college. That's pretty good, coming from a slave to zero money, to zero connections, zero everything, and to rise up and to establish a college so people could get an education. I haven't read the, any of these books, but there's an author by Irving Stone, and I'm just going by a quote of his, who's written, he's wrote, written about many great people, and his goal was to study greatness and what makes people great. What makes people great? One of the reporters asked him, is there a common thread that runs through these lives that you've studied and all these books that you've written about? And he says, yes, there is. And he says, they are beaten over the head, they're knocked down, vilified, and for years they get nowhere. But every time they get knocked down, they stand up. At the end of their life, they've accomplished some modest part of what they set out to do. They just are determined not to quit. Not to quit. And I look at people in the Bible that were undaunted. There was many people that were undaunted in the Bible... And one of the traits of them is they understood peace. They knew that peace was in their heart in the midst of trial, tribulation, and all kinds of trouble. In Isaiah 26.3, it says this, You will keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Notice that peace isn't dependent upon, it is dependent upon what you think about. It's through God's word and that we get our mind renewed. And peace and joy is not dependent upon our circumstance. It's dependent upon Jesus. Ephesians 2.14 says, Jesus is your peace. He is our peace. The Passion Translation of John 16.33 says it this way. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me. How many know that Jesus, when he walked on this earth, man, he had peace in the greatest storms. He had peace when one of his best friends died. He had peace when his disciples ran away from him. He had peace every circumstance he came up. He says, in me is this perfect peace. And this peace which is in me will be in you. And you will give, and it will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For this, in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. He's not the one who brings the tribulation. He is not the one who brings the trials. He says, you're going to have them, but it's not me who brings them. If you read the book of Job, Job thought it was God who was doing all this until you get to all the way to Job 42. And then Job realized after talking to God, it was not God who was bringing all these trials. And you hear at funerals what Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so people say that at funerals. This is not to put people down or in any way, shape, or form, but this is the thing. If you read Job 42, he says, I have opened my mouth and said things I knew nothing about. That's what they should say at a funeral after that. Just kidding. Job didn't know what he was saying. I don't know about you, but I don't want to quote somebody who doesn't know what they're saying. True peace is resting in God's victory. True peace comes on thinking upon the word and upon Jesus and his promises and what they are to you and me. This is what God says about each one of us, each one of us. Just knowing this, it causes us to be able to pull ourselves up by the bootstrap and say, you know what? I can't be undaunted because of what God is thinking about me. Psalms 139, 13, it says this in the Living Bible. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It is amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and know well and how well I know it. You were there when I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious is it, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. Listen to that. You think, how can God do this? He, I don't know, but that's why he's God and we're not. It says, how precious, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. Every day of your life in 2022, God is thinking about you. He goes on to say, and when I awaken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. And this is why, you know, we don't believe in abortions because of this chapter here. That's why. Because God says, I formed you in the womb when you were being formed. He was saying you're being created by God. And so, and this is not to, 
There may be someone here who's had an abortion. This is not to make you feel guilty or shame, but this is why we believe that. And I know there's some people who disagree with that, and that's fine. But this is what God wants you to know. Even if you've had an abortion, he can take what you have done, and he can still work in your life because, listen to me, the number one thing that the devil puts in people, including Christians, is guilt and shame. And a lot of preaching sometimes causes people to be full of guilt and shame. That is wrong. So if you ever feel guilt and shame by a message I preached here, either you heard it wrong or you need to pray for me more. Because God, listen to me, it's very difficult for you and I, almost impossible for you and I to receive from God when we have a guilt and shame mentality. When you feel like dirty and sinful and unrighteous, there is no possible way do you feel undaunted and confident. So naturally, what does God want us to do? He wants you to feel righteous. He wants you to feel undaunted and full of confidence. But guilt and shame will cause you and I to feel like we can't receive from God. Amen? Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice he didn't say, dwell upon what you've done wrong. Dwell upon your sin. Dwell upon your weakness and how pitiful you really are. No, he didn't say that. Paul lived out John 16.33. If anybody could say, man, I've been through a knot hole pulled backwards, man. I mean, it was Paul. Shipwrecked, snake bit, left in the ocean because of the shipwreck, a day and a night. I mean, the guy beaten, killed, raised from the dead. I mean, just his life was just, it would make a terrible movie. People would get, it would just be until the end. Until the end, it would make a great movie. Because he says in Titus, none of these things move me. None of those things that Paul went through moved me. He believed. He was a walking example of John 16, 33, because he said, man, I went through trials. I went through tribulation. I was frustrated many days of my life, but I knew that God had conquered everything for me. He knew that. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 says, are there servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. 
I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I've daily burdened all my concern for all the churches. Doesn't that just want to make you jump in a ministry? I tell you what, you read that and go, sign me up. Where can I sign? But this is what he has said. 2 Corinthians 4.8, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but I'm not in despair. Persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. Struck down, but I am not destroyed. He knew something. In the midst of all of that, it didn't move him. I don't know about you, but in 2022, I want to be that type of undaunted Christian that is not moved by what I'm going through. I am not moved by what I'm going through. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by any circumstance. We shouldn't be moved by any negative report that you may get. This is what caused Paul some of the things. I'm just going to mention some of the things that caused, I believe, Paul to be undaunted. Number one, Paul knew that we always win. No matter what, we always win. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He had victory through that. Number two, he was undaunted because his faith and trust in God. 2 Corinthians 1, 9. It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts. And we still feel it to this day. It was taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in the God who raises the dead. He has rescued us from terrifying encounters with death. And now we fasten our hopes on him to continue to deliver us from death yet again. 1 John 5, 4 says... For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. He had faith that God was going to get him through whatever he was going through. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the favor of God. We have Jesus. We have all of his promises. So we need to stand on everything that he has given us, on everything he gives us. John, in the when he wrote, John and 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John uses the word world more than any other New Testament writer. It's over 104 times to convey the concept of this world system, world order. He could describe it as the culture of the world. And he says, we have been given victory over everything in this world. The third thing that caused Paul to be undaunted Knowing that it is God and not us, it's called grace. 2 Corinthians 1.21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Who makes you stand firm in Christ? God. You need to get that in your bloodstream, man. It's not what I just need to, I just need to do this more. I just need to do that. No, you need to think on this more. It is God. It is God. Paul knew that it was God. He says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put a spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. 
So this is what I'm praying for you. Not for you just to try to be more disciplined. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I am for discipline. But I don't want us just to become more disciplined so that we can become more religious. I just need to be more disciplined. Bless God, I'm going to make sure I read the Bible. I'm going to make sure I spend an hour. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to just keep doing this. I'm going to make sure. I'm just going to warn you. It's going to be a lot like the New Year's resolutions that a lot of people make all around the planet. By January 21st, they're usually what resolution? What resolution? I'm going to teach you something that I am learning. I haven't learned, but I am learning. I am praying that God will show me his love more and more so that I will have a want to. There is a major difference in being disciplined to fill out my religious square to spend time with God. There's a major difference in knowing who he is and that how he thinks about me, and it causes me to have a want to. Many, the majority of the years of my life, I have tried to dis- discipline myself to have the spending time with God. And he honors that. I know he does. So I'm not bemoaning anybody who does that. But I just feel like I found a better way to have a relationship with him. I just feel like my relationship with him is so far greater today than it was when I was trying to do that. Am I perfect, dear Lord in heaven? No. Just spend about three minutes with my wife and she can tell you. No. But I know this. That the more I know that he loves me, the more that I know he watches over me, the more that I know he's thinking about me every day of my life, it gives me a want to. It gives me a want to. I want to talk to him throughout the day. I want to thank him for the simple things. When I can't find my keys, you know, Lord, help me find my keys. Simple things in life, and I find them. I give him credit. I acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. All of your ways, acknowledge him, and he directs my path. I thank God for directing my path. The Holy Ghost leads me and guides me in all truth, and he shows me things to come. He is leading me. He is guiding me. He is showing me. Knowing that God, it's God and not us. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. Woo! Did you hear that? He says he is more than ready to overwhelm you with every kind of grace. What does that mean, every kind of grace? Grace in every part of your area of your life. Grace to to start a business. Grace to do well in whatever you put your hand to. Grace in your relationship with your wife. Grace for your friends. Grace for making sure that you take good care of your body. Grace to cause you to stand in truth. Grace for every promise that's been given to you. Anything that you face, there is grace to combat it and overcome it. There is grace for your life and my life. He says, God is more than ready to overwhelm you in every form of grace so that you will have more than enough. 
He doesn't just meet the need. It's more than enough in everything, every moment, in every way. He will make you overflowing with abundance in every good thing you do. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. One more on this. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you, Paul. This is when Paul was having a hard time. And he was questioning God. He says, hey, man, I've come to you three times about this situation. He says, my grace is more than enough for you, Paul. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness, Paul said, for when I am weak, I am more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. He found out a truth right then and there. He says, man, I'm just trying. He was trying to do this with a disciplined way. He was trying to do this his way. I, I know I can get through this. I know I can do I know I, I know I. And then all of a sudden, he didn't. So he says, God, can't do this anymore. He says, good. I'm so glad. It's about time. Because in my weakness, God says, I can show my grace and strength to you now. Why? Because I'm not going to be able to take any credit for it. You know, I just was really pressing in. I was just really believing. I was just really hanging. It was just, I I was just doing. Really? Really? No, I'm saying, man, I was just a wet noodle, man. I couldn't even stand. It was a wet noodle, man. God picked me up, and he's the one, the only one that can make me stand. Just try to take a spaghetti noodle. Bullet for 15 minutes and then try to make it stand up. See how far that gets you. You can't make a wet noodle stand up. But God picks it up and he says, I can make you stand. I can make you stand. Paul knew, speaking of standing, he was in right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You should have that underlined in your Bible or your phone app or whatever. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God doesn't keep a record of your sin. Neither should you. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. The Amplified Version says the uncompromisingly righteous are bold as a lion. Boldness comes from you knowing you are righteous and in right staying with God 24-7. Out of your life. There's nothing that you and I can do. To become unrighteous. Your brain. The world will tell you. That's not true. But I'm here to tell you. If you don't have this. In your bones. That I am the righteousness of God. No matter what. I am the righteousness of God. No matter, that will cause you to be bold. As a lion. Why do you need to be bold as a lion? When a trial comes against you, when sickness comes against you, when financial difficulty comes against you, when the whole world comes against you, there's something called righteousness that God wants to come out and say, I am going to stand in the presence of Almighty God, and this thing will not defeat me. We cannot be defeated 
because of the righteousness of God. It's knowing who you are. Knowing these things will give you a passion for Jesus. This is really strange. Yesterday, Saturday, yeah, Saturday morning, early in the morning, I just was reading an article by Betty White. And uh, I wrote down this quote that she said, If you live without passion, you can go through life without any footprints. And Melody, she woke up after me early, and we were talking about it, and she says, Betty White did. I go, no, she's still alive. She's going to be 100 uh, here January. And then by the afternoon, I got a text from Jerry or somebody that she died, and I went, what? But this is just, I don't, it just was strange to me. If you live without passion, if you live without passion, you can go through life without any footprints. So my goal is to pray for you to have a passion for God, a passion for his word, a passion for the things that he's done for you, how he thinks about you, so your relationship with him will be better than it's ever been. Your relationship with him will be a true relationship, not a legalistic one, not one that you have to. It'll be one that you want to. He wants you to come to him. All of you that are heavy laden. And he says, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Amen.